0: I've been I've been sort of dreading this service uh, all week because this is the first time you just get preaching. There's no movies, there's no popcorn, there's no candy, there's no uh, prizes at the end of the service. So I was I told my wife I said people are gonna be disappointed. They're gonna be like, where's the good stuff? So I have to bring the good stuff today. I've recognized that all all week long that I was gonna have to bring the good stuff to keep you uh, engaged because you got used to. You know, being a little bit spoiled in the last few weeks So, Christmas at the Movies was a blast We had a great time doing it I, I Amen, amen, I, I had a great time But let me let me explain something to you Because sometimes God just sets stuff down in my spirit And I don't know how he talks to you or how he deals with you But sometimes, sometimes God just sets things down in my spirit That I can't get shook loose from And, and the longer I put it off And the longer I don't deal with it The more intense it becomes So as, as much fun as I had, and I tried to get into Christmas spirit this year more than usual. I started playing Christmas music before I normally do. And because Christmas at the movies was going on, we decorated and put so much work into it. I, there was just a lot going on, and I tried to be really fully engaged in Christmas this year. Not to mention the kids get older, and, and they start not being part of the, the, the celebration and stuff. I just, I intentionally tried to make Christmas big this year for myself, but I've also been really excited about the new coming year. I've I've been really excited about the new season. That's why we decided at the last minute, we were not gonna have a New Year's Eve service, but at the last minute, we did that for 18 straight years. And of course, because of COVID, we did not do it last year. We've always had one, and it's always one of those moments in time where God puts his stamp on things. And we weren't gonna do it this year. Uh, We'd gotten out of the practice of it, but I really felt like we had to have a New Year's Eve service and I'm gonna I'm gonna tie two messages together I seldom do this it's not common practice uh, it's not hermeneutically correct it's not what they teach you in seminary of course I already break all the rules of seminary anyway if anybody teaches uh, any kind of uh, class on how to preach if they ever hear me preach they give me a failing grade every single time and I'm okay with that because I am who I am and i don't try to be somebody that I'm not um, But we just celebrated Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus. And we love Christmas. But have you ever noticed that Christmas always makes you want to look back? Have you ever noticed that? Like like it makes you want to look back at previous Christmases. It makes you want to look back at your childhood. It makes you want to look back at... Before mama died or before grandma wasn't there to make her mashed potatoes and her her sweet potato pie anymore It always makes you look back Even when the family gets together Very seldom do we find ourselves talking about what's current or what's in the future We're always talking about what? What's behind us But I am excited about what's ahead I'm going to be honest with you, I I love nostalgia, I'm a very nostalgic type person, I like antique things, I I like what's behind me and I I realize that I stand on the shoulders of people that have gone before me, Uh, I make make absolutely no qualms about uh, realizing that I am who I am because of people that have poured into me and those that have went before me. But understand, I'm looking forward to what God has in store. We have been in dark seasons. We have been in struggling times. We have been in difficult moments. And I believe that God is about to do some things that's going to blow and absolutely upset people's minds. And Their expectations won't even touch what God's about to do in their life. Do you believe that this morning? Can you give the Lord a hand clap? So like I said, uh, the next two services, both this one and Watch Night, the 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 New Year's Eve service that begins at 10 p.m., we're going to tie these two messages together. I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't always do it, but I want to get this word into you. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me this morning in honor and reverence of the word of God. My text is going to come out of Luke chapter 1. It's actually going to be before Mary was pregnant with Jesus. but I specifically want to deal with the last phrase of verse 20. I'm going to begin my reading at verse 6. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Hmm Uh uh-huh she she was past her prime and he was too old to cut the mustard one day zachariah was serving god in the temple for his order was on duty that week as was the custom of the priest he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the lord and burn incense while the incense was being burned a great crowd stood outside praying i i could preach a lot right here Uh, he's in the sanctuary and there's a lot of folks praying And when a lot of folks start praying, a lot of good stuff starts happening. When Zechariah was in the sanctuary, because everything don't happen when you stay home. Sometimes you got to get to God's house for God to move. That's another sermon for another time. When he was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard Your prayer, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine nor any alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now... Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I'm going to reread that for emphasis. For my words, what God has said, will certainly, be beyond a shadow of a doubt, No devil in hell can stop it. No matter what is up against you, no matter what says it can't, no matter how your experiences have come off to this point, my word will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Oh, go ahead. Give the the word of God a hand clap. Now, before you're seated, I want you to look at somebody and tell them, what if I told you Go ahead, what if I told you, it's just about time? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What if I told you, it's just about time, amen? You may be seated in his presence. This morning's message is titled, What Time Is It? What time is it? Did you hear what the angel told Zachariah? He said, you didn't believe what God said. You've had doubt, you didn't have faith. You, you wasn't one of these overcoming Christians that we hear about on TBN. He said, when I told you what God said he was going to do, you didn't believe it. But heaven ain't going to be stopped just because you don't want to believe it. The Lord's plan is not going to be uh, circumvented just because you don't want to believe it. He said, I'm going to shut your mouth so you don't keep speaking doubt over your life, so you don't keep cursing yourself. So you don't keep speaking unbelief He said I'm going to shut your mouth up You won't be able to talk again until this baby is born But make no mistake about it God's word will certainly come to pass Whether you like it or you don't like it Whether you believe it or you don't believe it God said what he said, meant what he said And it shall come to pass So this morning I'm going to try to keep myself calm, cool and collected I ain't already doing that This morning, because I'm going to tie this message together with New Year's Eve, and New Year's Eve I'll really cut loose. This morning I need to teach you the principles, because at watch night or or New Year's service, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit apply what I teach you today to your life. God's already given me a plan and an outline for how to make these two services fit together. So this morning I'm going to try to teach you a thing. Is that all right? All right. So, 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 first of all, I'm, I'm going to wear your pen out. If you're a note taker, we're going to wear your pen out today because I'm going to give you a plethora of information. So, we, we all live in a system of measurement that we call time. This angel spoke to Zechariah and said his words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. Now, you know and I know that time is a unit of measurement. There's only so many hours that you have in every day. This time of the year, we have very few hours of daylight. The nights are long, the days are short, and we talk about everything being measured in time. When you need to accomplish a certain task, you think about how long you have to get it done. I'm going to do some cleaning before the weekend is over. I'm going to make sure that I have my work finished before I leave today at 4 o'clock. Now, I'm not going to be talking to you so much about what we call general time. I want to talk about what happens in very special moments in time, times that cannot be gauged by calendar pages and hands on a clock because I'm going to talk to you about God's time. God's time that he uses to get his purposes done. The time that is spoken of in this passage is a Hebrew word called moed, which means an appointed time at an appointed place in an appointed season. So let me clarify what I'm going to say to you. There are two different times. Those words for time are chronos, that's measured time. Some of you, before I get finished with my first point, will already be measuring my time. Some of you, before I get to, to, to preaching real good, you'll already be looking at your clock. That's called chronos. That word is a time that can be measured. Then there's a word called kairos. Keros is God's time. Kairos can't be measured. Kairos, you don't see coming. Kairos is when God gets ready to do a thing. See, when you get ready to do something, you measure it by Chronos, And you and I have limitations based on Kronos. And throughout your walk with the Lord, you labor under the guise of Kronos. What does that mean? That means you spend time doing things you spend Kronos trying to get Caros to operate. When you wake up in the morning, some of you will pray. Before you go to bed at night, some of you will pray. The beginning of every year, I usually spend part of that year in fasting. Most of you learn how to come to church, hear what the preacher says, and try to apply a scripture to your life by decreeing it, by declaring it. That is all done in chronos. If you t- go to the Lord in prayer, you are spending chronos time trying to accomplish Kairos, which means I'm praying in real time trying to get God to do something that I can't do for myself. So I'm praying on earth trying to get heaven to move. I'm fasting in real time on earth trying to get heaven to answer. Is everybody still with me? So sometimes those two moments intersect. Sometimes those two moments show up at the same place at the same time. Sometimes you come at an appointed time, let's say 10.30 on Sunday morning. You show up at promise of victory, and that is a Kronos moment, but Kairos shows up and blows your world away. See, see, sometimes those two moments, they intersect with each other. Sometimes you show up at the appointed time of Kronos, but God had a blessing waiting on you that you didn't know was waiting on you, and Kairos operates on your behalf. So you show up when church starts. God shows up and does what you didn't even expect him to do. And that's what happens when those two moments intersect. But sometimes those moments don't show up at the same time. So you keep praying and praying and spending more and more chronos trying to get kairos and you don't know when kairos is going to happen. So, so, so I'm going to show you to you from Scripture when these kind of things happen. Before Bethlehem, all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, Moses proclaims that God was going to raise up a prophet. He was talking about Jesus. And he said this almost 4,000 years before Jesus was born. He was talking in Kronos about a keros. 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that God would give us a sign and his son would be born of a virgin. That happened 700 years before it actually took place. These are the things that are spoken of in time. But what I want to talk to you about both today and at New Year's is God's right time. You all understand time. But I need you to understand God's right time. Because when the right time comes... God has appointed something to happen in your life. God will have you spend chronos, just general time, doing what you can do for yourself. So when Kero shows up, he can do what you are unable to accomplish. You have to understand that before God does a thing, he decrees a thing. He says it before he does it. He declares it over your life. So you have to understand that before God will do it, he'll tell you it's coming, but he doesn't always tell you how long it's going to take. The angel Gabriel come to Mary and told Mary, you're going to have a baby. Well, how could that be? I've never known a man. He said, you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth. He didn't tell her what day. He didn't tell her her exactly the moment that it was going to happen. He just said, it's going to happen in your life. The wise men came to find this little boy uh, named Jesus because a star had told them it was the right time. Everybody say right time. Uh The apostle John, all the way back in John's gospel, chapter 1, the Bible begins over there saying, and in the beginning was the word. That's a declared thing. That's a spoken thing. In the beginning was a word, and the word was God and the word was with God and nothing that was created was created without him. And jump down to verse 14 and it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he declared a word before he made a word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and it actually happened the way God said it would happen but he always speaks it before he does it. The, re- the reason I need to lay that foundation It's because I need to help you understand what time it is in your life. Are you ready? So I'm going to go through a lot of stories in the Bible. And I'm going to paraphrase most of them. If you want to go back and check me out, feel feel free. But I don't have time to read all the scriptures this morning. First, I'm going to take you to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, they had several different times of the year. They called them feasts. And they had to observe these feasts every year. These were times that were arranged by God, and nobody could change these days. Just because you got busy, you couldn't just say, well, I'm gonna, I'll am going celebrate Pentecost next week. I got family coming to town. God didn't accept that. He said, these are my feast dates. These are the people I expect to be there. And I expect you to show up and bring the proper sacrifice and do what I tell you to do. And God said, when you do that, I'm going to show you favor. See, this is when Kairos and Kronos show up at the same place at the same time. You do what you're supposed to do and God shows up and shows you favor. God had established a set time to show them favor. And in the same way, there are set times that God has shown up and given you favor. But I'm going to tell you that I feel in my spirit that it's coming real soon that he has ordained some times that he's about to do some stuff in your life. And I believe that in the next few weeks and months that some of you are going to walk in unprecedented favor. And it's going to show show up and show off in your life to such a degree that you're going to be like, where did that come from? I, I don't understand how I was over here, and I felt so destitute and broken, but here God has just ushered me into a new realm of, of, of favor, and, and, and that's what I'm believing is about to happen in some of your lives. Have you ever had a physical problem that you had for so long that you just got used to it? I mean, you prayed about it, you had the elders pray over you, and it hurt or, or or it hindered you, and it just went on and on and nothing seemed to help it. Have you anybody ever had that? And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden it was gone, vanished without a trace, without any explanation. How do you go from excruciating to healed? how do you wake up one day and that back that used to bug you hurt you hinder you limit you don't bother you anymore how do you wake up one day when you were crippled for the last six years and all of a sudden the pain in that knee is just gone how do you go from hindered to healed in just a moment you have just entered into one of your Times That God has set for you It's called a set time of favor And when you enter into these things There are healings that come upon you And favor that comes upon you And blessings and breakthroughs and miracles That you didn't see coming let me show you a little deeper. It can be a career promotion. It can be a check that shows up in the mail. It can be a problem with your car that no mechanic seems to be able to fix. And all of a sudden, it's been there for so long, you just think that it's one of the fixtures of your house, and all of a sudden, it's just gone. In Psalm 102, uh, we, are, we encounter David. We believe David wrote this, and we believe that he wrote it during the time of Absalom's rebellion. And it's commonly referred to as a prayer offered to God. And if you read the 102nd Psalm, David seems to be crying a lot. I mean, he's really having a pity party. He's giving God a list of all his troubles. He says, God, I'm sick. I'm down to skin and bones. I can't sleep at night. I've lost all my money. I feel like I'm all alone. My enemies are taunting me and they chase me night and day. And for 11 verses, he goes on and on and on telling God how miserable he is. And just about the time you feel depressed because you're reading the Bible, you get to verses 12 and 13 and here's what David says. But you, O Lord, are still on the throne. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this church. I want to point out something to somebody because I'm in teacher mode. And this word Zion in the Old Testament is often used as a symbol for the church. That word Zion is often used as a symbol for the believer. So you could, without hurting the context of that scripture, just go ahead and insert them promise of victory folks right there and say, you will arise and have mercy on promise of victory for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time. Oh, you could just go ahead and put your own name in there and say, you will arise and have mercy on Sarah. You will arise and have mercy on Michelle for the time to favor her. Yes, the set. That time has come. So when God gets ready to set a time of favor, there's nothing that can stop it. And so sometimes you've been waiting for so long for a healing, for a dream to come to pass, for a problem to turn around. It's easy to get in wait mode and not really expect anything to happen. Another translation of this verse says it like this. The moment designated is here. I could run around this building right now because that means you ain't waiting on something to show up. That means the thing you've been waiting on is already there. The moment designated. Do you ever set your alarm clock? I know some of you don't pay no attention to it, but you set it, right? You set your alarm clock, why do you do that? That is a set time. Now I'm gonna go a little bit deeper with that analogy. You just started. Some of you were doing a lot of cooking the last couple of weeks. You ever set an oven timer? I just heard my wife yesterday say, "Alexa, set a timer for seven minutes." You you ever set an oven timer? While the oven timer's going on, you just sit and wait. You do some other stuff. But when the timer goes off, you don't keep waiting. Why? Because you set a time and when the set time happened it was time for you to get into action. See, when that timer sounds, you change what you're doing because you realize that when the set time happened, something is available now that was not possible until the set time. I wish I had a witness in this church. See, you can't slice that turkey until the set time. You can't butter them rolls until they have risen. You've got a set time that you have to wait But once you have waited until the set time, when that timer goes off, listen, you can't put whipped cream on that pumpkin pie until that pumpkin pie has had time to bake. But once that timer goes off, you don't keep sitting in the living room twiddling your thumbs. You get into that kitchen, do you not? And you put your bib on, and you got a fork in one hand and a knife in the other. Why? Because you know something good's about to happen because the alarm has just sounded, and it is your set time for favor and what was not possible then is possible now because it's set time so look at your neighbor and ask them what time is it what time is it so if you believe God's about to do something in your life you should be able to tell because you ought to know the timer is about to go off you got your you come to church every Sunday with your bib on fork in one hand Bible in the other Ready to go to battle because you know God's about to do something. I wish I had somebody to praise the Lord right there. Now, let me set something in line for you real early on. The fact that God has set times means that He's not wasting any time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven that means every season you've been through you have encountered god see see you think you only encounter god and find him when everything's working the way you plan for it to work Or you think you are in in the presence of Jehovah when everything that you're getting is what you prayed for. But the truth is you have encountered God in every season because God doesn't waste any time. Every season under heaven he is working in your uh, um, see I'm going to get sideways with some folks right here but I'm going to tell you I am personally glad God did not leave my side when I was sideways, when I was living for the devil, when I was running from God here's something you need to get into your spirit so you'll quit condemning folks who are living the way you used to live when I was running from God God wasn't running from me he was running after me chasing me down the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God Some of us have gotten our minds that when we get out of God's plan that God is done with us, but nothing could be farther from the truth because my mess, although God didn't ordain it, he didn't call me to it, he wasn't pleased with it, and I still suffer consequences because of it, my mess has made my message. I can stand up in front of a crowd this big or 10,000 people and tell you that I know that God is a forgiver because he has forgiven me and washed my... So I got seven things that I'm gonna teach you about what happens when your set time comes, okay? Seven things that happens when your set time comes. Number one, when your set time comes, you'll be a prepared person in a prepared place. That right there ought to take all the anxiety off of somebody that lost their job. Because sometimes God gets you out of where you was because that's not what he had you prepared for. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes you lose one loan uh, application on one house And you don't understand why you couldn't buy that house It was your dream house and, and you had everything in there that you wanted And it did not work out And you can't understand why God didn't have favor on you Sometimes God's favor is that he didn't let you have that house You know, Billy is so fine Got six packs, big blue eyes He, he quotes scriptures Comes to church, got one of them great big 15-pound King James Bibles he carries up under his arm. And you go to the Lord and you say, that is my husband. And when Billy marries Sally and you are heartbroken and want to backslide because you didn't get Billy and take him home with you. And now you got to come to church and watch him and Sally googly eyes at each other. You get mad at God. You say, how come she got favor and I don't have favor? You don't know. You know Billy a church. You don't know what she's taking home. And you see them big blue eyes when he's sitting in the house of God, but you don't see he's mean as a junkyard dog when he gets back to the house. You don't know that he won't work half the time. You don't know that he won't pick up after himself. You don't know that she's raising a kid and ain't even had one yet. Y'all not going to help me. And so God's favor on your life was not letting you have what you thought you wanted because that's not what he prepared you for. You'll be a prepared person in a prepared place. It's not easy going through life, but it's harder when you worry about everything. It's it's harder when you're trying to accomplish things like impossible dreams. So you're going to have to learn how to let God prepare you and position you. Mm, I'm trying to teach, but I I, I feel a preacher coming out of me. See, God has laid out the plan for your life. He has lined up everything you need to fulfill your destiny. Every good break, every person, and every solution. He's not trying to figure out how to bless you let me give it to you like this in Luke chapter 22 Jesus was about to be crucified and he tells Peter and John to go into town and here's what he says he says boys it's almost time for Passover and we need somewhere to have dinner me you and the boys 13 of them not a small room needs a big table a big space for them to have Passover meal together so he tells Peter and John He says go down to town and when you get into the city you're going to meet a man carrying a water pitcher on his head. Follow him. He's going to lead you to a house and here's what it says where there's going to be a man there who has a guest room prepared for us to have Passover meal. Verse 12 says the owner will take you upstairs to a large room that is already I thought I might get a shout right there. See, these boys ain't even got into the town yet, and Jesus already telling them it's a setup. He said, he said when you get into the city, you get down there, you're gonna find a man, not just any man. You're gonna find a specific man. And by the way, that was very, very important that Jesus told them that it'd be a man with a water pot because in those days, it would've been a woman carrying the water. So the fact that they were going to find, he wasn't going to have to look for a bunch of women and figure out which one it was, there would probably only be one man. See how specific God is when he's got something for you. He says when you get into the city, you're going to find a man with a water pot on his head. Follow him. He's going to lead you to a house where there's already a room that's been set up. See, he, they're not going to have to go in and, and, and beg the guy and say, hey, Jesus really wants to come by and have dinner at your house tonight. Do you have anything to eat? Can we raid your fridge? They're not going to have to do that because Jesus said it's already set up. See, so many of us are praying and fasting and believing and asking and begging and worrying and having high anxiety because we're trying to figure out how it's all going to work. And Jesus said, what are you worried for? I've already got this thing set up in advance. You ain't even got there yet, but I've got it all. I've got it all set up. Notice how detailed Jesus was. soon as you enter the city, you'll meet this man. Not just amen, but he's going to have a water pitcher on his head. All these de- details had to come together. Do you realize this? They all had to come together at the exact right time. Had the man showed up late, the disciples wouldn't know where he was. Had they picked the wrong fellow to follow, they'd have ended up at the wrong house. So everything had to happen exactly the way the Lord said it would. draws me back to my original intention for this message. If he said... Go ahead and write the check. You may not be able to cash it right now, but go ahead and write it out and put it on your mirror because everyone if if God told you it's coming, it's coming. If he told you the mortgage is getting paid off, just go ahead and write that mortgage on out. You ain't got to take it down to the bank yet, and somebody might think you're a fool, but if he told you, you better believe it because his word will not be hindered. He's got a plan for you. What am I saying? God not only has strategically directed your steps, but he is orchestrating everything around you that you need. He's not just the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, but it's not just your steps he's ordering. He's ordering men with water pitchers on their head. He's ordering men that have room enough to host your party. He's he's putting everybody else in place too. When God does what he does, he ordains people to help you. And I have found out in ministry, they ain't even got to like you to help you. They can be bad-mouthing you, but God will use them to write checks to fund your ministry even though they don't believe like you believe. So you need to stop being frustrated by who is not helping you because everybody you need to help you, God has already brought into you. He's already got in, in order and in line. People can't stop it. Bad breaks can't stop it. Injustices can't stop it. Why? Because it's already set up. You are right on Schedule. The second thing you need to know is when God's set time happens, what's yours is yours. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus was on the Mount of Olives and he told the disciples to go into a village and they was going to find a donkey that nobody had ever sat on before. Now how did these brothers know that had nobody ever sat on this donkey before? I've been around a lot of donkeys in my life. And the ridden ones and the unridden ones all look the same to me. But Jesus told these brothers to go into the city and he says, you're going to find a colt that nobody has ever ridden before. Put a pin in that, I'll come back to it. And he says, when they ask you where you're going with it, tell them the Lord has need of it. And he'll bring it back shortly. Now, we don't ride colts too often today. It'd be kind of like somebody coming up, jumping in my F-150, turning the key in it. And I say, hey, where you going? They say, the Lord has need of it. And he'll bring it back shortly. I don't think I'm spiritual enough to believe that. I know I'm not saved enough to believe it. But they said... When the the person asked them where they were going, they said, The Lord has need of it, and he will bring it back. Now, you need to understand that this was a prophecy. Zechariah had prophesied years ago that the Lord would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey that no one else had ever sat on before. This was all prophesied. And you have to understand that when these brothers went in and got that donkey, they didn't know about the prophecy. They did not know that this routine thing they were doing was actually fulfilling prophecy See, sometimes you just getting up and going to work is fulfilling the prophecy. That's y'all, y'all, y'all. See, I just a lot of y'all super spiritual people just checked out on me because you y- you think you got to be wringing your hands and speaking in tongues and falling out in the spirit in order for God to do anything. But sometimes the miracle is in just doing it. Just getting up and going one more day. Just getting up and forgiven one more time. Getting up and putting the past behind you. Getting up and saying I'm gonna go to work today. I don't know if anything powerful is gonna happen, but I know that God. God expects me to do what I can do. And you're going to get up and do your routine and what seems routine to you today turns into a miracle in the making tomorrow. See, if he knew where the cult was, don't you think God also knows exactly where you are? Don't you think he knows where your backslidden children are? If he knew where this one cult was, How much more is he lining up what you need? The cult had never been ridden. It couldn't. In order to fulfill this prophecy, this cult. Now, I'm going to preach the way I want to because I have the microphone and you don't. And when I read the Bible, I read it in full living color. I don't just read it like some story. Man, it comes alive to me. And sometimes I just start embellishing stuff. I don't add to or take away, but I'm going to tell the story the way I want to. Here's a coal owned by somebody. We know it has an owner because when the disciples tried to take it, the owner yelled, where are you going? So we know it had an owner. Now, I grew up around a farm. I know you don't just have mules because you think they're cute. They have a purpose. They're either pulling a load or they're carrying a burden. And oftentimes the burden they're carrying is you. And the Bible says this colt had never been ridden. But Jesus rode it. I've been around horses and mules enough to know you don't want to ever be the first one to just jump onto a... uh, So it it wasn't that the mule couldn't be ridden. It was that it hadn't been ridden. Which tells me probably at some point Somebody tried it. And about the time they got ready to get up on that thing, he bucked them off. Well, this mule is crazy. Let me get about four or five strong men to help hold this thing down. I'm going to ride this thing. I need this mule to be ridden. And four or five strong men couldn't hold him down. And the owner couldn't ride it. Maybe he sold it to somebody else and they couldn't ride it. But Jesus when the prophecy got ready to be fulfilled Was able to ride what nobody else was ever been able to ride before Because what's yours is yours And what that mule was set aside for was for Jesus to ride, and that means nobody else can get on what you are destined for. I wish I had a witness. See, there wasn't nothing wrong with the donkey. That colt had been marked for destiny. But one thing this shows me is that when God has ordained something for you, it will not go to somebody else. I'm about to crush the spirit of jealousy in somebody right now because you need to stop worrying about somebody else getting your promotion. You need to stop worrying about somebody else getting your blessing because what God has prophesied over your life cannot be taken by other people. So quit getting frustrated when you feel like somebody got something that was yours because if it was yours, they couldn't erode it. It would have bumped them off because God has set it aside for you. Be happy for them because you know that what you didn't get means you are about to get something even better. When the prophet Samuel showed up at Jesse's house to to pour oil over the next king, there were seven brothers in the house. Seven brothers. Why was there only seven? Because David was the least qualified. He was the youngest, and his own daddy didn't even think that he was king material. Left him out in the field keeping the sheep. Samuel took the horn of oil... And try, I don't know where my horn of oil is. There it is. Samuel took the horn of oil and tried to pour it over the first son's head, and the oil would not come. Can't you see, Samuel? Second, third, fourth, fifth, on down the line, all seven sons. Samuel would try to pour the oil to find out who the next king was, and the oil stayed, the Bible says. The oil stayed. He ran those same seven brothers back through again because he knew that it was one of, it was one of Jesse's sons. So he did it again, the first son, the second son, the third son, but the oil wouldn't come. He came down to the last son, and I can see him hitting the bottom of that bottle, can't you? But the oil defied gravity because it wasn't ordained for any of them boys because they hadn't called the right one in yet because what is destined to anoint you won't go to somebody what is destined for your blessing what is destined to bring a furtherance to you what is yours will always be yours because God set it aside and nobody can snatch out of God's hands what he has set aside for you won't you give God a hand clap of praise so nobody got your promotion nobody got your favor nobody got your girlfriend if they got her she wasn't yours praise Jesus (laughs) nobody got the house that you were supposed to get because if you were supposed to get it it would have went to you the oil that belongs to you cannot go to other people the next thing I want to point out to you is that the enemy's trap won't go as he planned When you are in God's set time, his trap won't work like he planned it would. When Joseph's brothers got jealous of him, they threw him into a pit, and they decided they were going to leave him to die in a pit. But you know what happened? They looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites heading their way, and they changed their mind because the enemy's trap don't work like they intended it to. They changed their mind and they sold Joseph's into slavery to the Ishmaelites. The Bible says in Psalm 57 and 6, my enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. The enemy's pl- trap don't work the way he intended for it because he'll fall into it himself. See, Joseph said, you intended for this vile, despicable thing to happen for me, but what you didn't count on was that God's timing says that I'm not going to die in this pit. I'm going to be sold into Ishmaelite. And you might think, well, that's just trading one bad thing for another bad thing. But what's interesting for you to note is that this caravan of Ishmaelites was heading down to Egypt. And when they got Joseph down to Egypt, they was going to sell him again. And Joseph was going to walk into his destiny because they matriculated him on down to Egypt. Sometimes what looks like the devil's doing is God setting you up for a breakthrough. And what's even more interesting is this. When you look at where the Ishmaelite traders were coming from, you'll know that a long time before Joseph ever went into the pit, they headed that direction. I'm going to say it again. His deliverance left and headed his way before he needed it. Which leads me to my next point. When you are in God's set time, your answer is older than your problem. See, you act like God just realized you was in trouble. You act like God just woke up one day and went, how'd they get in that mess? You have to realize that before you ever got into the pit, the Ishmaelite answer was already released. Oh, the Bible, you don't believe me? Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that uh, in Isaiah, before you call, I will answer you, saith the Lord. God says that before you ever had a problem, I had the solution and had it headed your direction. Some of you have been being distracted because Billy's blue eyes, but you don't realize that your answer has already been dispatched, but you have been distracted by the wrong thing and you have missed the right thing, But don't don't worry, honey, because God is bigger than your mess up. And he, is, he has got the answer heading your direction, and you've got to realize that it the answer is older than your problem. So instead of worrying all day long, complaining all day long, belly aching all day long, you just need to start going, God, I thank you that you have already set up my breakthrough, already given me promotion, already made a path for me to get through the impossible. It's already set up, and I believe that I'm already favored and that destiny and purpose is heading my way. Do you see the difference in the way I'm talking and the way some of you are probably talking? And the the next thing I want to show you is that when you're in God's set time, you'll find overflow. Say overflow. You'll find overflow in a desert. Deserts are dry places. And you're gonna get an overflow in a place that ain't supposed to have no flow. See, this is what God set time does. Jesus was teaching in the wilderness. I don't have time to tell this story the way I like to tell it, but he's teaching the people. It's gotten late in the day. It's Sunday, so Chick-fil-A's closed. They already got past the, the last exit where all the, the food was. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus. All these people are hungry," he said. "Feed them." Hey, hey, Jesus! I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed, but taco truck didn't come. All we got is five loaves of bread and two fish. We got we got a little boys, Bojangles, five biscuits, and a couple people fish And what is so much are so little amongst so many jesus says set them down in groups of 50 and 100 and from him setting them down in groups of 50 and 100 we get a number we get a number because they counted them they set them down in groups of 50 and 100. and we know there's 5,000 men plus women and children. They counted them. Look at your neighbor, because you ain't never heard this before, because I ain't never preached it before. Look at your neighbor and say they counted them. So why is it, after Jesus was done multiplying, that the Bible says he had 12 basketfuls left over? Did Heaven's calculator get broke? Did he forget how many people he had out there? Why in a desert is he producing more than was needed? Because the Bible said they were done eating and they had leftovers. I came here to tell somebody this morning That God knows exactly what it's going to take to get you where you need to be. And yet he's going to tack on some extra just in case. On purpose. He's going to give you more than you. Y'all not going to help me. See, sometimes y'all think if I could just get by. If I could just get enough money to get by. God don't want you to just get by. He is going to give you more than you need and he's going to do it on purpose. There will be overflow in a desert place. You didn't have the experience. You weren't next in line. You shouldn't have got the promotion. And suddenly the boss skips over five people that's got more qualifications and better degrees than you and gives you the promotion. Suddenly you meet the right person. Suddenly you meet somebody that completes you. You you got completely out of debt. You were scratching by last month, and now the house is paid off. How does that happen? Because God gives you overflow when you don't think it's... Scripture says in Malachi that when you honor God with your income. Here's what it says. He said, when you give the tithe, when you give the tithe, which ain't yours to give anyway, because it was God's to start. But he said, when you give the tithe, this is what he happens. He says, I'll give you, I'll give you blessings you can't contain. Containment means confinement. He's not just looking to give you enough to get by. Some of you have been serving God all these years and still wondering why you scratch and claw. Oh, the answer is to work harder. No, the answer is to just be a giver. Or, you know, just keep working 60, 70 hours a week wearing yourself out and and, and have have a less quality of life. Or you can just do what God says. And he says, I'll give you blessings that you can't contain. He didn't say nothing about the devil. You know why? Because it ain't the devil's to give, so it ain't the devil's to take away. I wish I had a witness. The next thing that will happen in God's set time, is this okay? Is this all right? Can I show you two more things? Number one, uh, the the next thing is when you are in God's set time, the quail and the fish will find you. The whole time I was preparing this message, I thought I was going to call it the quail will find you. But then I realized this sermon was a lot bigger and it was actually two sermons and it was a lot bigger than just this one point. The Israelites in the Old Testament were in the desert and they were, high, they were heading toward the promised land and they had been eating manna until they were sick of eating manna. I don't know how many of you grew up like me. And go ahead, and get judgmental. Go ahead, I'm used to it. Oh, he's highfalutin now. No, I'm not highfalutin, but I have things called options. Because I don't know how many of you was raised like me. We ate brown beans and cornbread at least three nights a week. When I first got married, I wouldn't allow my wife to bring a brown bean into the house. At brown bean. They're pinto beans for those city folks. Pinto beans. I forget that y'all don't know what brown beans are. Soup beans as they are when I'm from. My mother, we were poor. Every once in a while we'd have fried potatoes with it. But it was a, a cast iron skillet with cornbread and brown beans three nights a week. For five years, I never touched a brown bean. Got sick of them when I was a kid. I don't really like them now. I'll eat them rarely. They still remind me of being poor. They taste like poor. They taste like broke when I eat them. So I'm not a big fan of brown beans just because they were force fed to me. For so many years, we couldn't do any better. And the Israelites have had manna casserole and manna soup beans. And they've had, they've had manna and spam. And they've, they've cooked up rice and manna and haluski and manna. And they're sick of manna. So they come complain to Moses. Moses goes and complains to God. Hey, the people want meat. I feel them. All of a sudden, I feel a kindred spirit with the Israelites. I'm a meatosaurus myself. And Moses comes to God and says, "God, even if we kill all the livestock, all the herds, we don't have enough meat to feed. There's 1.7 million is the estimate. 1.7 million Israelites out in wilderness. Well, we don't have enough if we kill all the cattle, all the livestock. We don't have enough meat." And God asked Moses a question in Numbers chapter 11 that I want to ask you this morning. He looks at Moses in Numbers 11 and 23 and says, When did I become weak? He says, Moses, you have brought me a problem. But you've also told me it's impossible to solve. When did I become weak? You have cried to me that I'm not meeting your needs the way you desire them to, but you have also told me that there's no way it can happen. When did I become weak? You have told me that that backslidden child of yours is too far. Y'all not going to help me, but I'm just going to bring it down and make it real to you now. Uh, You have told me that that backslidden child is too dark into the darkness and there is no way for you to get back, but when did I become weak? You have told me that your credit has been ruined and you have lost too much and you're never going to be able to get back on your feet, but when did I become weak? You have told me that they packed your bags and walked out of your life and don't want to have anything to do with you, but when did I become weak? You have told me that you need me to perform a health miracle and and heal you in your body but you've also told me that the doctor says it's impossible but when did I become weak? You're telling me your problem and telling me it can't happen at the same time but when Moses the doctors will be weak and the government will be weak and the banking system will be weak and you will get weak but when did I when did I become weak? And God shifted the wind I want to preach right there. He shifted the winds. And the Bible says quail. Millions of quail flew three feet off the ground. And filled Israel's camps. Because God shifted the wind. And he come to tell me. To tell you. That the winds are about to shift in somebody's life. Ah! They were one moment in the desert Longing for something And in the next moment They were in overflow in the desert The Bible says that every person Had 50 bushels of quail That's more than you can have. I don't know if any of you have ever eaten quail I have I like quail on occasion But 50 bushels is a bit much That's more than you're going to need that is, That's enough for the whole buffet And they went from longing and lacking to overflow in the desert because God shifted the wind in their favor. And all God's got to do is shift the winds and cause the right people to be good to you. Cause the right contract to come your way, cause the right promotion to show up in your life, cause the scholarship to fall on you instead of somebody else. All he has to do is shift the winds of favor and your whole debt could be paid off. He could give you a contract from a million-dollar company that's going to write a check out to you and fund your project for the next year. And all he's got to do is shift the wind your way. But the problem is, We look at our situations in the natural and try to serve a supernatural God. The Bible says that those quail were shifted by the wind. You realize that quail don't belong in the desert? They usually wouldn't leave water. But God supernaturally caused the quail to find them. But that's not the whole point because it also says the fish. We'll find you. Jesus is walking on the seashore, and he's never met this brother named Peter. And the Bible says Peter's over there washing his nets out because he's fished all night. Now, this is going to speak directly to somebody because that means Peter has worked hard. And sometimes you can work your fingers to the bone and still, still not get your breakthrough. You can work yourself until you ain't got any energy left and you break down physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually and have nothing left to give and still don't have your miracle and still can't pay the bills and still can't get along with your spouse and still can't make your kids act right. You have worked and you've read all the books and you have put in 80 hours at the the plant and you still can't get it done. And you wonder, why God? Why God? Because you're trying to find the fish when God's trying to make the fish find you. The Bible says Jesus came down and Peter is washing his nets. He said, Hey, take yourself and your boat back out on the uh, out there and throw your net over the other side of the boat, and you'll catch a lot. And Peter ain't don't know him from Adam's house cat. Peter says, I'm a fisherman, and you a carpenter. And you're going to tell me how to fish? Here's what I know about fishing. The fishing is done. You fish at night. That's when the fish come through here. I've been doing this my whole life. I know more about fishing. Excuse me, Jesus. Son of God. I know more about this fishing thing than you do. But nevertheless, at your word, Y'all thought I lost my mind. I know exactly where I am. This whole sermon has come right. Nevertheless, because you say so, because you told me to do it, it don't make no sense. I have already tried it and it didn't work. I have read all the pamphlets, went to all the seminars, bought all the books, took all the classes, and this goes against all my training and it can't possibly work. But because you said, If you say so, I'll let my nets down. And the Bible says not only was his nets about to break, he had to call another boat to come and help him. And then they got all the fish onto the boat, And not only his boat, but the other boat all began to sink because of all the fish. Because Jesus was trying to tell them to tell us that when it's his set time, you ain't got to locate all the blessings. You ain't got to make all the breakthroughs happen. You don't have to perform the signs and the miracles. That's his business. That's what he does. And all you got to do is stay in the right place and do what he told you to do. Nevertheless, God, if you said it, I'll do it. If you told me to forgive them, even though they haven't asked for forgiveness, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Y'all not going to help me there. See, some of y'all just canceled out your blessing because you said, not me. They're going to have to come tell me that. Nevertheless, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. I, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe. Nevertheless, if you tell me I'll do it. And here's what he was telling Peter, and this this is what I feel like he's telling somebody in here. Just because it didn't happen last night don't mean it's not going to happen this morning, even though you don't think it can happen in the morning. See, Peter didn't think you could catch fish in the morning, but just because you don't think it can happen don't mean it won't happen. And just because it didn't happen in 2021 don't mean that 2022 is not going to be your year. Just because it didn't happen before the pandemic doesn't mean that the pandemic has made it so impossible that even your God can't do it. And see, this is the mindset that he has sent me on a mission in 2022 to preach out of his people and to get your spirits on fire to believe for the impossible again. Because so many of us have now got this relegation in our minds that because of the pandemic, I hear it all the time, but well, because of COVID, ever since COVID, this church closure, ever since COVID, this business, this is closing ever since COVID I can't do this no you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength and he has called me in this generation to start speaking faith back into folks and believe that the quail and the fish are on their way and you may not it may not make a lick of sense to you and it doesn't it goes against your training and it's never happened like this before but is there anybody in God's house that is ready for unprecedented miracles that is willing to say if God says it it can happen Which leads me to my last point, and this is what Peter, this is what Peter uh, uh, felt as his boat began to sink. Scripture said Peter was astonished at the amount of fish that they caught. So when this God set time, it will leave you astonished. I realize I've preached a long time this morning, an hour and three minutes according to my clock. Is this okay? Could it, be, could it be that this coming season is going to be the season where doors open that have been closed to you? Could it be that your healing is going to happen in this next season? Could it be that God wants to take the limitations off? And that in this season, He's going to do things that you didn't believe was possible? I'm going to leave you with the words of David. I've got more to say, but I'm going to quit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He ain't making me to lie down in green pastures, leaving me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. you make a table for me in a place that don't make no sense in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. I dare you when you go out to lunch today to be pouring into your glass whatever your beverage of choice is whether it's coffee whether it's soda whether it's water and don't stop when you get to the top of the glass do you hear what David said my cup runneth over you know what that indicates to me without getting too deep into this that means what I give to God is limited my cup runs over That that means that I have put limits on what I give to God to put my blessing in. My cup's only so big. Now, some of you got great big cups. Some of you walk around with 55-gallon barrels going, Where is it Y'all the people I come to and and ask to help me pray. (laughs) Because then we got other brothers and sisters sitting in the same church walking around with a thimble. Because what you give God to put your blessing in is only limited by the size that you choose to give. And David said, whatever I give God, he overflows. And some of, you, some of you have been under the misconception that if you don't have great faith or if you have messed up, you have now disqualified yourself From God ever giving a blessing, a breakthrough, a miracle. I was an addict. God can't bless me. I've been divorced. God can't bless me. I wasn't a good mother. I wasn't a good father. God surely can't bless. Can I tell you that if God only blessed us according to what we believe Him to be able to bless us with, Ephesians 3 and 20 shouldn't be in your Bible because it says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or that means that no matter how big or small your cup is he's able to make it a little bit bigger he's able to overflow and leave you astonished God right now under the sound of my voice I'm asking for you To rest on the heart and the mind and the spirit of every believer. And if there's any unbelievers here. And leave them astounded. Leave them astounded. Do it, God. This very day, let Kairos and Kronos intersect in this room for somebody. and They feel the blessing of the Lord coming on their life right now. They testify that I went to church today and I left differently than I came in. you a believer in this church because he said so ought to be enough it shouldn't have to show up in your bank account before you believe it because he said so I believe it I'm healed because he said so I'm whole because he said so I'm an overcomer because he said so I'm more than a conqueror I don't feel like one, but I am because he said so. Some of you have spent this past year waiting to move. What time is it? Some of you have been waiting on God to move so you can get something. And he's been waiting on you to move so he can give you something. Now's the time to move. Do you believe his word? Do you believe you're whole? Do you believe you're healed? Do you believe that your mind can be straight? Do you believe that you can have great faith? Do you believe that what you give him, he's going to pour out his blessings and give you an overcoming spirit and give you more blessing than you can contain? If you do, it's time for you to move. And yeah, I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning and get up and move to this altar. I know we don't often do this on Sunday mornings, and I know some of you might think that this is a little bit weird and a little bit strange, but sometimes we get that way. But I want you to know that his word never fails. And if you can believe it, he'll perform it. He's not waiting on everything to get right. He's not waiting on everything to get perfect. He's not waiting on the pandemic to be over. He's not waiting on your boss to see the what light. He is God and he always will be God. And he doesn't need your permission, the devil's permission, your boss's permission, your physician's permission. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do because if he has said it, it is so. God... Let it be according to your word. In the name of Jesus. Prayer team, Stephen ministers, staff, if you're in the building, can you come up and help pray?